Welcome to School Biz Chat with Kim Cranston, OASBO Executive Director. Each episode of this podcast is dedicated to discussing events and issues that affect the people who are in the business of supporting students. Now, let's take a few minutes to see what's going on in the school business world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of School Biz Chat. I'm so glad you are joining us today. I'm especially pleased that we have Amy Roderick here with us today. Amy is the director of the Center for Education Safety, which is part of the Missouri School Boards Association. And school safety is always a priority for people in your roles, those of you who are district administrative leaders who are listening to this podcast. So I wanna start by saying, Amy, thank you for being here. And would you please just introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you and how you came to be in this position. Well, thank you, Kim. I appreciate being invited to join you today. So like Kim said, my name is Amy Roderick. I'm the director for MSBA Center for Education Safety. I retired from the state of Missouri after almost 30 years um, in public service in the public safety sector. And so I have a wide variety of background as a former parole officer working on a campus of higher education in their safety department. I was a chief investigator for the attorney general's office and was inspector general for Missouri Department of Corrections. After the inspector general, I went over to Department of Public Safety as a special advisor to the director where I happened upon school safety. And so at that time we were looking at what does the state do around school safety? What is the situational awareness to the governor's office around threats and hazards to our schools? And began working from that perspective, working with law enforcement and our school systems to take a look at those issues. And so after I decided to retire, I was invited to come over to the Center for Education Safety and take over operations. And so I've been here for almost three years, a little over two and a half years as the director for the Center for Education Safety. That's quite a resume. (laughs) So tell us about the Center for Education Safety. I would like to think that all of our listeners know what this group does, but I won't make that assumption. So tell us about CES. So we're a unit within Missouri School Boards Association. Um, But we serve all schools of Missouri in a wide variety of areas. So we provide training, guidance, resources, connection with partners that we might we might not provide that resource, but we have state, public and private partners all around the state and around the country in which we um, can connect schools for those services or resources that they need. So we receive federal funding through some grant projects, state funding through a state appropriation through DESE's budget. And then we also receive some state grant funding through other of our state partners to deliver training. So we deliver training um, and guidance around emergency operations, multidisciplinary teams, threat assessments, all the way to indoor air quality. We work with We don't just work with our board members, we work with our teachers, we work with our custodians, nutrition staff, bus drivers, school safety coordinators, whoever in the school, well, we should say everyone in the school has a role to keep those environments safe. And we try to make sure everybody's knowledgeable and and raises their skills to be able to keep those environments safe. So I'm glad you clarified about the relationship with MSBA, because I think sometimes When people think about any of MSBA services, they think about them being targeted and developed specifically for school board members. And the Center for Education Safety 
really is about the people who are in the buildings and working with all of the different um, administrators and people that you identified. So I, I'm really glad that you explained that because I think that may be sometimes a misunderstanding about your role and with whom you work. And so I think that's really important. When I was in my former role, I spent a lot of time in crisis planning, working on communication plans, working with our law enforcement, emergency responders, working with our individual school buildings. And I know how important it is that districts have these plans in place. And I think that's one of the services that you provide. Can you talk a little bit just about overall planning in terms of safety? And obviously, most people's minds automatically go to violent acts, but there are a lot of other things that can happen in a school district that would be a crisis and can shut a school district down that might not have anything to do with violence. Correct. And more often than not, it's going to be those other things creating the crisis than an intruder response. And so, you know, along with working with um, the group I just discussed, we also still do train board members and school administrators to be those leaders, to lead the way so that those strategies and initiatives can be implemented um, with the school system level through that training. And so we've really formulated our training. It's comprehensive school safety planning and development using a framework that is developed by Safe and Sound Schools. We really liked this foundation because it brings in everything that a school does where you can touch on these buckets of, of areas such as, let's talk about, so mental health and behavioral health, health and wellness, the physical safety and security, culture, climate, and community, leadership, law, and policy, and operations and emergency management. So we believe those six buckets really is your framework for planning and develop, developing those school safety strategies and initiatives. You know, I, I hear a lot of people sometimes say um, school safety is a program. School safety is not a program. Um, it, it's the environment that you create, and there are a lot of strategies to create that environment. So through our School Safety Academy, we train various different positions within the school system on what that comprehensive planning and development looks like within those six buckets. And so there's many strategies that schools can use to keep their environment safe. So I'm glad you pointed that out because as I mentioned, school business officials have their hands in all of those buckets or wear some of those hats. And when we think about school safety, like I said, obviously one of the very first things we think about would be what I consider violent acts, but there are also things that happen as a result of weather, I mean, when we think about our schools in the country who have been impacted by tornadoes or flooding, those are crisis situations that definitely are school safety issues. We've just gone through um, several years of dealing with health issues that affect safety. And then you alluded to and pointed out the whole mental health and, and what that can be. I'm glad that you explained that to us. So, Given all of that background and your work as you talk to school districts, what are you seeing that's bubbling to the top this year as we are already well into the 2022 school year? What are the main safety issues that people are grappling with in Missouri school districts? 
You know, with the unfortunate tragedy at Uvalde, one of the things that schools are really focused on is propping the doors, you know, ensuring that they have good security in their classrooms and good security on their facilities. And so it's that cross between, is it an equipment issue? Is it a human error issue? And really training staff and students um, to do the right thing, follow the rules, and hold people accountable when they don't follow those rules. For example, propping the door open for 10 minutes doesn't seem like a big deal, but it can be a big deal. And so if that's your policy, you need to enforce that policy and hold people accountable. While you can put technologies and, and all these things in place, it's really the human element that we really need to train and support our staff and students in empowering them to create those safe environments by doing those things that we ask them to do. And so those physical side assessments right now is a, is a big deal for schools. Where are our vulnerabilities and gaps and how can we go to look to fill those gaps? So you also, since you brought up Uvalde, we know that the students reacted based on their training. And I think that's, you know, it just says that all these things we've been doing with intruder drills and alerts, they know what to do. One of the problems that came to light is the whole communication piece with local law enforcement and what their protocols are. Are you seeing people with an increased awareness or an increased emphasis on making sure everyone's on the same page and following the same procedure and processes in these events? Yeah, that's one of the priority areas that we work with school districts on is that incident command when you have a crisis like that, who's in control? How do you transition control? How do you communicate? And so when we work with schools about developing their emergency operations plans, they need to collaborate with those first responders because if the first time they meet those first responders or when they respond in an incident, it's going to be chaos and failure all day long, every day. You know, we really try to get them to bring in those first responders, collaborate with what those processes and protocols are going to be, talk about who's going to take command at what point. And so it's seamless when those things happen. A person I was talking to the other day said something that really sticks in my mind is those first responders come in and manage the emergency, schools manage the crisis. And so you really need to delineate what that looks like and what that means for everyone and how you work together while also staying in your lane um, to respond and recover from these incidents. And so really it's that response and we're working a lot with schools on that recovery piece. What does that look like? because the crisis doesn't end after the first responders go away. And so this has been a big issue for schools right now is getting those pieces in place. So one of the things that we used to do in my former district was we would bring in all of the responders and they would meet with a set of parents and the, the building level administrator and do exactly what you just talked about. We would define roles and say in the event of a crisis, Here's what we do. Here's what you do. Here's what parents will do. And mm -hmm. I always thought it was extremely valuable because to your point, when a crisis hits, that's not the time you need to be saying, oh, now what is it you do? So I think that is something that's a lesson learned from this horrible, horrible tragedy is we can never let up. Um, we need to continue to have those meetings, conduct those tabletop scenarios, talk through 
who does what, when, where, how, so everyone's aware of their role. And as you know, in our school buildings, administrators change on a yearly basis. And parents have kids who graduate and their children are no longer in school. And we have new parents coming in. So maybe I've done this 10 years in a row, but the people that need to be a part of it haven't. And so I think that's a really important message is we can never stop doing those things. Correct. And, and when you have a crisis, you don't want 800 parents descending on your building, which even contributes to that chaos. So the more that you can partner with parents and they can understand their role and responsibility and how you're going to protect their children, the more buy-in you're going to get for what you're doing and the more trust you're going to build with those parents by letting them help you problem solve through some of these issues and inviting them to the table. Getting that buy-in and that trust with your parents is really key when you have a major incident happen at your school. That is essential. I know as a parent, you know, my first reaction would be go get my kid, do whatever I can. I know from my role as a safety crisis person, as you said, we can't have every parent trying to get in the front door of a building Mm -hmm. when you have an active shooter or you're in the middle of something. So helping people understand how all of this works. And I do think it is that trust. You've got to trust that we've got a plan in place and we're going to follow that plan because we want every child to be safe. You talked about bringing in parents to help problem solve. Talk a little bit more about what that looks like, not only just to get their buy-in, but how can they take an active role in helping with the schools or partnering with schools? You know, there are a lot of parents that do want to provide that support. And so, you know, they may be able to come up. They may be owners of a business that can contribute to um, whatever that safety is. They can, from a grassroots effort, maybe fundraise to buy, for example, stop the bleed kits and tourniquets for every classroom um, so that they can feel that they've contributed to that safety. One thing that we uh, definitely encourage is all schools to have that uh, multidisciplinary risk assessment team in place so that you can assess those concerning behaviors but educate your parents on what that means that it's it doesn't mean it's a bad thing it means that we're going to get some early intervention we're going to figure out contextually what's going on with that kid of concern and wrap some resources around that and so if parents understand that's what you're doing and not really assessing a child for you know juvenile detention or some other um, discipline still may occur, but it might look different because you're able to case manage around whatever that behavior is. So if they understand your role in addressing some of those concerns, their participation and ability to provide you information is, is really key in those instances. So, you know, they can be part of those processes and strategies you have in place, but they can also do some some good things to help you get the tools you need to create those safe environments for a response. Absolutely. So what I've heard you say, I've heard three P's. We need to plan, prepare, and partner. What we're dealing with is it's such a huge, complicated, and complex issue. And a lot of it has to do with some societal issues that obviously then affect our individual school buildings. And I think having those plans in place, making sure we're prepared and absolutely partnering with our families, 
making sure we're partnering with local law enforcement emergency responders. Those are the keys to all of this because unfortunately, we're not seeing these types of situations diminishing and that's troubling and disconcerting. And so, like I said, we have to remain committed to doing all of this. No matter who you are within that school system or that school community and the school community is, the businesses, the parents and everyone that, that comes together to ensure success for those schools is leadership and communication. And no matter who you are, you can step up and be a leader. And, and no matter who, you can communicate. And so those are some of the biggest failures. If you look at the trends for all of these events that have happened since Columbine, it's leadership and communication. And so you need to be really strong in those areas as you build those partnerships, as you work with your school community, and you support your students and your staff working in that environment. Absolutely. Amy, I appreciate you doing this. I think it is absolutely one of the most important topics we could address and we will continue to address. Thank you for your efforts and for the work of the Center for Education Safety. So this has been School Biz Chat. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please share this episode with others who may be interested in this topic. Until our next time, take care. We'll be chatting. This has been School Biz Chat with Kim Cranston. New episodes are released on the second and fourth Fridays of each month. If you have topics you'd like to be covered in the future, send Kim an email at kcranston at moasbo.org.